This is Restless. Welcome back to Restless, a postmortem on the young, restless, and reformed. We are your friendly neighborhood discernment podcast, and I am joined, as always, by Pastor Michael Bowman. Michael, how are you doing? And I'm Matt. I guess I forgot to say that this time. You are Matt. I'm glad you remembered uh, yep. who you are, because otherwise this would be an awkward podcast to do. I think people know, right? I, I don't. Our names go without saying. People know us that well now, right? There. We've really made it at this point. We've we've made it. This week we're actually talking about something. Sometimes we do this on this show where we get maybe overly self-referential. We kind of realize that maybe one of the most foundational things that our show is doing and that we're doing when we get on and record the show is we are practicing discernment. And so we thought we would do an episode about the spiritual gift of discernment and uh, what discernment is and, and how it functions. Yeah, we thought that this would be an important next step in trying to help work out a healthy approach to critique, really, uh, to how we are trying to apply the scripture, apply the reveal will of God to understanding the new Calvinism, these various leaders and movements, uh, as we react to these various things, really what we are doing, albeit sometimes in a way where we are laughing uh, a lot, what we're trying to do is we are trying to discern, we're trying to sift out the good from the bad, the right from the wrong. You know, we often talk about discernment as a spiritual gift, which it is, but I think the the key verse, if you want to have one for discernment, is is Hebrews 5.14. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And so in this verse, what we see is the the solid food, the solid teaching that that the writer to Hebrews wants to bring is for those who have through constant practice. And this is what we're doing here. We are learning to practice discernment. That's what we're doing about new Calvinism and the various things we engage with. I realized, actually, these were some of the verses that Pastor Michael used when he was critiquing some of what goes under the guise of gospel-centered preaching. Yeah, it's interesting that this is right in this uh, section of scripture where the writer of Hebrews is calling for maturity. What does maturity look like? How would you define maturity? What does it look like to move on from elementary doctrines, from the basic things that you should have down now, and those are your foundation? What does it look like to build upon that in your day-to-day life and in your understanding more generally of doctrine? Well, it looks like testing things according to the word. So you should you should have a, a knowledge of the word that allows you to test, test your actions, test the teachings that you're hearing, test what you're hearing from podcasts, even ones that you love and trust and that laugh at TGC talking about complementarianism. How do you use the scripture to try to distinguish within what you're hearing what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is evil? And that comes through practice, like all things, right? This is any kind of maturity. It takes time. You have to grow into it. You're not born ready to run. You have to 
slowly work up to that point. Your muscles have to grow. You have to grow cognitively, developmentally. You start to crawl. You start to stand up, pull yourself up on things. You might need help. Somebody grabs your hands and holds you up as you're walking. I'm just imagining my daughter who's just starting to walk right now. And then at some point you can start going and walking on your own. But even then, when you're walking on your own, you start, you know, you kind of, you, you toddle, you fall over a little bit here and there. You're often hitting yourself on things because you get ahead of yourself. You run too fast or you slow it down. And I think this is a good analogy for what it looks like to grow in discernment, in the ability to uh, sift out truth in a world where uh, God has revealed his truth but then you have a world that is full of sin, full of broken people, and even the best of people are going to be flawed by sin in what they say and what they teach. And so how do you, how do you work through those things? You know, this year on Restless, we've called for us and our listeners to join us in being churchmen. I think the second thing I want to call us to do is to this year practice discernment as we can, as, as it's a gift of the Holy Spirit for the church, and is something that, according to Hebrews, we can all practice. But what really brought this to my mind, maybe the need for it and the the interest I had in doing an episode about it, was actually listening to Pastor Michael's other podcast, which is called Thinking Out Loud, where he described the almost what he called the the, the crisis around the idea of the gift of discernment. Michael, can you tell us about what uh, you were thinking out loud about in your car on that episode? Yeah. So thinking out loud, so it's thinking out loud with Pastor Michael. There are actually oh, many sorry. other thinking out louds, which I didn't know when I titled the podcast. This is just a small thing that I started to do, uh, mostly thinking about my church and and local area, where I just kind of talk about various various ideas that I have that are pretty wide ranging. <laughs> There's not <laughs> There is not a good uh, uh, specific niche market that I'm trying to hit there. But one of the things that I thought about was uh, an experience that I had when I was in uh, Christian college. Uh, in order to get my Master of Divinity, uh, I was part of a, a five-year program that started me in college. I don't actually have a bachelor's degree, uh, but I started uh, on a college side of uh, a Christian university and then went directly to the seminary after a couple of years. And I was in a course that dealt with Christian ministry, and we had to take a spiritual gifts assessment of some kind where you were, you know, taking a test about uh, what spiritual gifts you had, which, by the way, is not how you should find out what spiritual gifts you have. Um, <laughs> if you want to know what spiritual gifts you have, you probably are not the best person to say. Uh, you're not the best one to judge. But anyway, we took this assessment, and uh, one of the gifts that came up over and over and over again with almost every single person in the class was the gift of discernment. Hmm. And the professor himself was like shocked by this and was kind of looking around like, are you sure you all have the gift of discernment? Like, uh, it was like every single person said, yep, one of my top gifts is the gift of discernment. And I was one of those people that said, I have the gift of discernment because I think I, I actually do. I think it's been borne <laughs> out. It was something that I've been told. It was something that was proven in the church that like, it wasn't just me thinking that. But I also remember thinking that here I'm in this class. I know a lot of these people, at least somewhat. I'm not you know, the best of friends with each one of these people, but it's a small school. So I know somewhat about how these people live. I've heard how they answer questions in a Christian ministry class. They don't have the gift of discernment. That's what I thought. I thought like maybe some, but very few of these people actually have the gift of discernment. 
and yet they all think that they do. So there's this problem that I think is just true of evangelicalism in general, where, uh, and this was just a microcosm of it, where everybody thinks that they are pretty discerning. Mm -hmm. Everybody thinks that uh, they're not going to fall for the false teaching. They're not going to fall for the the sinful living. Um, They're not going to listen to the serpent and want to be like God. They're not going to fall for that kind of deception. It would be obvious to them. They understand what's going on. Everybody thinks that they're the best judges of what is and isn't true. And this is kind of like a democratization of truth and of kind of, you know, uh, guarding the truth that's happened. Maybe it's just an inevitable consequence of kind of the movement of the church as things like the the scripture is is being given out to everybody. So everybody has their own Bible to read, which I think is great. And I would never say is a bad thing. I want everybody to read the Bible. I want everybody to know the Bible. When you have uh, the, you know, Protestant Reformation, and as you have uh, a removing of some of the I don't know, institutional power or gatekeeping that was taking place in uh, a slightly more hierarchical church with the Roman Catholic Church. And all of a sudden that's spread out. And all of a sudden you have, you know, the scripture in the, in the vernacular of the people. And you have uh, people being able to come to the scripture and question things and think, think about these things for themselves. That is great and good and awesome. And maybe one of the unintended consequences that can come from that. And maybe this isn't, maybe this is just where I'm thinking it's in part coming from. It could be something else, but there's this over-democratization of truth telling or, or understanding the truth where all of a sudden everybody thinks that they're in the best position to judge what is right and what is wrong. Even if they're not mature, everybody, all of a sudden, it's like a bunch of toddlers who aren't quite like, they're not quite stable on their feet, but they can pull themselves up and they can kind of take some steps. And then all of a sudden their siblings run way ahead and they're like, I can run too. And they try to start running and they take a couple of steps, but then they face plant. Then, then they're right down because actually not everybody is uh, equally equipped to judge right from wrong. There are those who are mature. There are those who aren't. And ultimately we want everybody to be mature. I want everybody to have the gift of discernment. I just don't think that they do. And yet many, many do believe that they do. It sounds like you're getting at kind of two crises. One, the lack of understanding at what this gift is. And then the other one would be the the fact that because everyone thinks they have it, everyone is ready and ready that I, I will be good at figuring out what the truth is. And and if it's a gift that the church needs, the, the reason the church needs it and the reason literally the writer of Hebrew says he wasn't going to give them solid food is because not everyone has it, right? Not all children, no children are born walking and not all children can walk yet. I think this is so, it, it's so reminiscent of my life too in a, in a college ministry where, yeah, you had started to hear everyone kind of talking about, yeah, I've got the gift of discernment. And I do think you might be right that it's people just wanted to be the truth teller, yeah. right? Or, and and I don't know if in your context, this was the case, but in my context, it also had a um, pseudo charismatic feel where I could, it was almost like a baptized intuition. I kind of just mm. know these things yeah. about you. And this could reflect where I first encountered it which is from our old friend, 
Pastor Mark Driscoll, love you. Love to have you on the show, where he described the spiritual gifts in a series of sermons through 1 Corinthians. And when it came to discernment, this is part of where it came, the, the famous I see things speech, where he just, people would walk into his office and he would kind of know the, the deepest struggles that maybe they've never told anyone. And that discernment kind of functioned in this almost mystical way. And that I've, that I've over time, I realized that Pastor Michael was in a hard position to maybe truly have the gift of discernment in a world where everyone, everyone, we were, we were all filled up on discerning Christians. Yes. So Pastor Michael, let's, let's start with a, maybe a helpful definition. Can you give us your, your thoughts or how you would define discernment? Yeah. So here is my rough definition. This is what I would, I would say discernment is. Discernment is the ability to make proper judgments according to the revelation of God. Hmm. And so it's being able to uh, apply God's revelation to uh, people, ideas, thoughts, and even to ourselves. And I want to say, I say revelation and not just uh, the written word of God, because I want to include in here that I do think there's an there's an element of God's natural revelation, being able, being able to understand nature as God has made it in light of scripture, but uh, also distinct from scripture, the two books, the book of nature, the book of scripture, uh, where God has revealed things about himself, where, where various things are revealed. I think uh, applying the revelation of God uh, in such a way that allows you to make proper judgments, that's how I would try to define discernment. I think that's a, a, a helpful definition and even bringing it out that step more generally, because I think um, there's actually a, uh, I'm, I'm going to go just a little bit of church history now. There's actually a group of people that believe the, the gift of discernment is one of the, the charismatic gifts that has actually ceased. Because um, when you find it listed in 1 Corinthians 12, 10, it says to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to the other, the ability to distinguish between spirits, uh, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpreting tongues. Now, whether or not you want to equate discernment with distinguishing spirits, right? There was the idea that when revelation was being given in the church by prophets, primarily in the early church before the scriptures were recorded, you required people who were able to intuit or or know revelation if this person was speaking from God or not. And so there, there, I think there is, I think that you see it in that there is, this is, it's dealing with all that God has revealed. You're able to put that together. And maybe in, in some cases, or maybe there was this kind of more supernatural bent and maybe there is, I don't want to call it natural because it's a gift of the spirit, but I think a, another definition I found, and I wish I could credit where it's from, but is discernment is, or discerning the church has often described as the, the ability to judge spiritual agents in regards to their, their moral or spiritual influence, right? So that they can know that this, right? And so this kind of, again, it's trying to cover all of the things, right? This is, could be a teacher, right? This could be some kind of uh, claim of supernatural authority, this could be just a an idea in the culture, right? And and what it and what it has. I think maybe one of my favorite definitions, though it's not as technical, is from Charles Spurgeon, who who always said things best, probably, right? Yes. D 
discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It is knowing the difference between right and almost right. Hmm. I think that's really helpful. I think it's also, I mean, based on the Hebrews passage, the ability to discern right from wrong. But in what Spurgeon is saying, obviously he's, you know, he would, uh, I think, actually include that. But what he's trying to get at is this idea that to go back to the analogy of a child who's growing up into maturity, right? You get to a point where you can kind of handle your legs a little bit. You can move around a little bit more. You can walk a little bit more. But that doesn't mean that you are able to maybe be as agile on your feet uh, as you will be someday. So you might be able to make general judgments. This is right. This is wrong. Uh, this is like there, there are going to be some things that are extremely clear. Like this is obviously light. This is obviously darkness. This is the difference between a room that has the lights on and a room that has the lights off. Uh, you know, this is the difference between the sun being up and the sun not being up. I can tell that. Uh, but then you start to grow in discernment as you begin to be able to see the, the shades of light a little bit better. You can tell, okay, this is more dark than light. And so you're able to, you know, maybe get to the finer points uh, where you might be speaking with somebody and they say mostly the right thing, just like Satan does when he speaks to Eve in the garden. Some of what he says was true, but then some of it was false. And, and, and he twists the words just slightly. The best lies are 99% truth. Right? They're, they're, they're almost all truth because that makes them actually believable. But then there's just that little twist on the end. And so I think what Spurgeon is saying there, and, and I assume anyway, would go right along with that same idea that you're, you're learning how to distinguish the finer points of, of truth rather than you know, saying, well, it's not discerning if you just know uh, good from evil on these larger points. Well, you should. That's, that is good. That is discernment. It's just you're growing in discernment and the ability through constant practice, according to Hebrews, through constantly applying the word of God, you're learning how to get to those finer details. Yeah, and 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 this is, of course, why in, in whatever form, man, you want a called, qualified, and trained pastor to be able to do this, do this for you. I, I do think that what you're saying is what Spurgeon is getting at. I think he's getting at uh, probably two things. One that just is what you said with Satan, right? Errors that might not seem important now are going to grow or a little lie, right? These things are going to uh, leaven the whole loaf, right? Yeah. And then I think the other thing that perhaps he's getting at is the the errors that, the whether they be heretical or serious or different are, they don't come in and say, hey, I have serious errors I'm planning on presenting. Right. You yeah. need to learn to recognize right. these things. And 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 I think this is important. Mike, what would you say the important function discernment has for the body of Christ? It helps defend it, right? Protect it. Uh it it helps to kind of fence out that which would be destructive to the life of the church, what would be destructive for your own life. Um it it also helps you to maybe have a, a more realistic view of the world as you're able to discern more you're able to see the ways that uh, like you said little lies can end up leavening the whole loaf and so you're you're not just seeing it at the end you know uh let me maybe give an example like this i've been thinking about the topic of 
forgiveness a lot lately and the lack of forgiveness, right? Bitterness, resentment, almost everybody. Uh, if you're talking to somebody and they say, I'm never going to forgive so-and-so for what they did to me. Well, almost everybody could say, oh yeah, well, there's some bitterness, right? Like that person is, is not going to forgive. They literally said it. Uh, and that does happen. There's a difference between that and someone who is refusing to forgive in their heart, but they'll say something a lot more like, well, I just need some time to figure this out. Hmm. Or, you know, well, well, forgiveness takes time. Like that's, that's a phrase that we use all the time that sounds perfectly innocent, uh, but actually it's, it's hiding a heart that's just as bitter as somebody who says, no, I'm never going to forgive that person mm -hmm. uh, because it just shows a misunderstanding of what forgiveness even is in the first place. And so like, that's the difference uh, that discernment can make. It's being able to tell uh, when even that little bit like that, like because you understand the scripture through the scripture, you understand the world, you understand the human heart, you're able to apply it into these situations where uh, the sifting out the truth from falsehood is even a, quite a bit more difficult. So it acts as a, as a good defense against many of those sins and lies and errors that could arise. But that just sounds so negative, Pastor Michael. <laughs> yes. It really isn't though, right? It's, it's positive. It builds up. The, the whole point of discernment is to protect, to build up. Uh, if, if I uh, put up a fence around my yard, because I live right next to a really busy highway and I don't want my four-year-old to run out into the highway. Nobody would say, ah, you're so negative. You know, why don't you, oh, come on, let them be free. Let them live a little bit. Like, why can't you just let things be and stop being so negative all the time? Nobody would say that, but that's what right. we're doing. That's what discernment is or one I of the ways that it can be used. I, I totally agree. I think the, the right the new Calvinist example is right now that everything's kind of seemed to gone go wrong, or whether it's at Mars Hill or just in general, everyone's like, well, I guess this was bad. Yeah, but there were actually people who who saw the structural problems ten years ago, right? The, and those people were were at least more discerning in some areas, and and I do think that maybe the, the 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 right word for discernment is the one you use that it's protection right I, I i think the best way to think of it is it's like the immune system it's designed to build you know build up our bodies to be healthy and then to keep out pathogens and if they come in keep them from doing a lot of damage right yeah and we need a healthy immune system right the the no immune system model is very dangerous right and and in that case a cold can kill you and and, you know, if our listeners thinking that might be the total big box evangelicalism, right? However, on the other side, I think the uh, there is the other danger, which is a overreactive immune system. And you might not be aware of this, but an anaphylactic reaction to an, an allergy, which as I'm sure everyone listening knows can be fatal. That is your immune system overreacting. This this is the this is the danger of I'm here to fight everything and I'm here to fight everyone and I don't ever and I don't quit. 
you know, Romans, Romans 14, right? Paul says, the one who is weak in faith, welcome him and do not quarrel over opinion, right? It, there's clear, we need to know it's. And so that's, I think is another level of discernment. It's not just even knowing right from wrong or right from even almost right, but knowing right and wrong and what's worth going to the mat for. Yeah. I think that is a, an, an important element of discernment that in, that is, that's what, that's what cage stage is, right? It's, totally. It's you just, you don't have that, you still, you might have more discernment, but you don't have that level of discernment yet. Yeah, it very often turns people into these brawlers. Uh, and, you know, many people know probably from their time in the church, and maybe you're listening and you're like, oh, that's me. Yep, there that's me. There is this kind of brawler mentality uh, where it's every fight is worth fighting mm-hmm. and everything has to be a fight. And that is, that's the body attacking itself, right? It's, it's actually unhealthy for you to act in that way. I think often those who, there are many who think that they have the gift of discernment, uh, who like to constantly call out and point out all the problems that are going on uh, outside of them with their pastor and his preaching, with, with something that's going on in the church, their local church, with something that's going on in the broader church. And they might not be wrong. Uh, some of the time they're probably right. That's the thing about, you know, uh, an overactive immune system. It's right some of the time, mm-hmm. but also it's killing the body. <laughs> and right. So it like whether or not it's right, it doesn't really matter when you're a brawler because you're just fighting everything. And what this sort of uh, mentality needs is actually better discernment. Mm-hmm. The kind of discernment that allows you to discern your own heart, uh, your own motives, your own actions, so that you can see, oh, Uh, maybe it's more important that I focus on creating the kind of character in my own life that is necessary to actually go about uh, helping the rest of the church learn how to be discerning. So uh, there's this, this inability to see your own problems and that in itself, I mean, just think of so many discernment bloggers and, and so many who are the discerning types and they're on Twitter and they're talking about all these, all these, you know, uh, horrible other Christians or false teachers and their own lives are a total wreck. Hmm. And so why would you, why would you ever want to listen to something like that? Right. Let me now stick up for the discernment bloggers. I get to be the good guy. Actually, I'm like, you know, Michael always tries to take the good guy and I just tried to take the like good guy angle from him. But because I'm sticking up for discernment bloggers, I'm actually now like the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, I'm, 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 I'm now the like ultimate bad guy. Like, That's right. Because I do think there are, you know, I think that there is a and, and Michael and I aren't doing this. This is pro- probably why I'm saying this is there's a way to be like, you know, the way you did discernment, your tone, all these things. That's always what the problem is. And that's right. not what Michael's saying. That's not what we're saying. Not at all. There are problems of being a brawler and an overreactive immune system. That's totally true. But there's also the reality that there, I think, the, the fact that when Michael says discernment blogger, you're like, oh, that's kind of dirty, right? Like, you wouldn't be like, well, the guy with the uh, the evangelism ministry, you'd be like, Ugh. you know, like, this is the, one of the few words that the scripture says we should grow in that we're like well the people who do that though they're kind of the worst right and i and i think that it is important for us to take a minute and actually think about kind of why we hate it why we hate discernment and maybe one more thing before we get here is 
and, and I probably tend towards this. So this is just me talking to me right now is because discernment isn't, is the immune system is, is a protection thing. It's not everything. And so if, if the predominant thing you listen to and you enjoy and you're involved in is discernment, you're out of balance, right? That correction, it's, we want you to practice, right? I'm saying that probably most people here need to do more of that. But if you're like me, you probably can handle playing with your kids or, or leading a Bible study for, for new believers instead. Michael, when, when I say I think predominantly the church and, and maybe most people in general kind of hate discernment, do you agree with my statement or, or how would you react, respond to it? I think that's true. And just to try to put into practice some discernment. What you want to lay out is there are people who don't like the idea of discernment ministries, discernment bloggers, this type of group, because those that they've experienced or seen were horrible, right? Because, uh, you know, if you didn't know anything else and all you knew about your immune system is that when you, you know, eat peanuts, it tries to kill you right. or something like that, you might think, oh, well, the immune system must be a bad thing. Like if that's all you knew about the immune sure. system, yeah, you know, you might, you might think that. So, so you could say that there are probably some people in a camp where like, that's it's just all they know for whatever this discernment stuff is. And it just, it has come across as really bad. On the other hand, I think the majority who react negatively to the idea of discernment or discernment being practiced by some is probably more because the evangelical culture in America is one of niceness. It's one of trying to do everything that we get along, trying to bring everything down to the least common denominator so that we can all fit, right? We, we all fit in. We're all, every, everything has to be agreeable and everybody's welcome, right? E everything's about trying to get everybody in the room together without any conflict. And the problem with that is that when any one enters a room together, there's probably going to be conflict, right? Right. Uh, because we are sinful. And maybe some of it is that people don't recognize how there's maybe a lack of discernment in recognizing just how sinful we each are and how likely it is that we are going to fall into error. Not like the other guy, right? We would like to say, oh, well, that could never be me. Oh, I would never deny core doctrines of the faith. I would never deny something about the deity of Christ or the humanity of Christ or, or any of these things. Uh, like I wouldn't do that. I would not fall to a false teacher. I wouldn't read a book by someone and be drawn away into some false understanding of the faith. But actually, yes, you would, mm -hmm. right? Like that's, if Adam and Eve in their innocence, morally speaking, right? Before sin was even in the world, if they could fall into sin, well, so can you, right? Like, because you're, you're born into it. It's part of your nature. Uh, it's, it's natural uh, for you, at least according to your old nature, to fall into sin, to fall into error, to believe what is false. And you're surrounded by it all the time. And it grows up from within you. The old man still clings on and is trying to drag you into false belief. There are still, uh, you know, this, this world is still with devils filled as the hymn goes. And like 
there's still deception everywhere. And so there's still this need to, to kind of recognize, again, have the discernment to say, oh, actually, it would be possible that I fall into these things. So we need some discernment going on to help try to keep that, those defenses up, to try to keep this healthy immune system going, uh, where we can try to figure out before things get really bad, before it destroys a church, before it, it, it leads you down the path of apostasy, uh, before that happens, the reason we have discernment is to stop those errors uh, before they grow, to pull the weeds before they take over the whole of the garden. I think you hit it two of the big reasons that when I say people hate discernment, what I mean is I think the number one is, is this spiritual reality of remaining sin fighting sanctification. And I think that that does it in inner in us i think that does it in the church right why does right why when there's a battle of doctrine in the church right are right why are the reformers hated why are you know why are the you know like why is athanasius have to stand against the world for the doc you know the orthodox doctrine of christ right the the church because inside of it it's full of sinners and inside myself i'm full of sin there's pain to sanctification and I do think we do, the second one is, and I think even if we can say it's with the best intentions, we live in a time of 2 Timothy 4.3. A time is coming when people will not endure sound doctrine, but their itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers who suit their own passions. I don't, I, and maybe we do it with good motives, but we don't like we don't like it. We want the lowest common denominator, and we look for teachers and ways to do ministry that fit with that. I know it doesn't sound nice to say, but that is what Paul is writing about there, right? We imagine that, like, I think what we do is, again, this is the undiscerned, and I'm realizing this is what I would do with this verse. I go, wow, there are people who just are like, I want money, so I want a pastor who's going to tell me, you can be as greedy and rich as you. Of course, that's not what anyone would be fooled by this is why discernment is needed right because it will be packaged well it will be it will be done in a way that is is dare i say winsome yeah and and i think the other reason is probably when jesus says that for him and for his sake you must hate your hot father and mother right he's saying that there is he is going to divide things in ways that will make us uncomfortable he is going to divide us from even natural affinities at times that's not easy. And so when, when there is discernment being done on those I love or institutions I've grown from, that is not enjoyable. But we need to remember, right? We need to remember the, the idea that, that this is for our good, that the, the, you know, the, 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 what are the, the faithful wounds of a friend, right? As yeah. Proverbs says, that this is, you know, but again, right, if they're wounds, that, that doesn't mean it's enjoyable, but they are they are from a friend, and true discernment is done for a place from love to build up the body and not tear it down. That's right. When the immune system uh, begins to work, when you start to get a fever, right, when you start to experience these things that are, you know, not comfortable, it's actually being done to preserve your life, to preserve your body, to help you. Uh, when your muscles are sore because you've been walking around, uh, when somebody, you know, kind of, you know, grabs your arm when you're stumbling, 
as a young child. And you're kind of like, no, I want to, I want to do this on my own. Stop it. Well, no, they're actually, they're trying to help you. They're trying to help you learn how to grow. They're trying to help you learn how to walk in a healthy way. So I think, I think that's really good. And it's good to point out that, I mean, the early church at the time of the apostles was full of false teachers and false teaching, and it, it arose from within them. Uh, so first John four, uh, first John in, in first John, uh, John's writing to the church and there's all kinds of false teachers that are uh, around them. He says, beloved, do, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God for many false prophets have gone out into the world. Uh, and elsewhere within first John, he's, he says that there are many who have gone out from us, right? And they've, they've shown that they're not of us because they've gone out, but, but they were here. They started here. They grew up from among us. That's what's going to happen. They even, they may probably even held to the five points. That's right. right. They even I, held to the five points. I, 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 you know, that's not even the bulwark, right? You know, it, it's, it's similar to Paul's charge to the Ephesian elders, right? That there will be fierce wolves that will come up from them. And this, I think, is the, the apostles' reason for emphasizing discernment, the need for it, because the call is coming from inside the house. That's that a bit cliched movie line, though, from the 1979 film, When a Stranger Calls, right? There's this, you know, the girl, she's, she's freaking out. She's, she's being stalked by a killer and, and she calls the police after getting another call because she's, the killer's on her way. She's afraid. It's, she's in trouble. And she calls him and she says, where did that call come from? The last call that called me. And they say, the call is coming from inside the house, right? Paul's point, John's point is that the danger is within. The danger is from people that look like me and probably talk like me and even believe some of the things that I thought were really important, like the five and points. And it could be me. <laughs> right? Yes. It could even be me. Again, you know, I mean, discernment is this something that comes through constant practice, through constantly trying to apply the scripture. And getting help from those who have maybe done it longer, are better at it, uh, those who have proven themselves through doing this, through, through applying the revealed will of God to various situations. And it's not just a naturalistic process. I wanna, th this is a spiritual process. And it doesn't mean that it's this, this extreme, weird, charismatic thing where you see visions of people, and that's what gives you some kind of discernment. It's... It is to say that you know maybe there, it's not uh, it's not rationalistic purely, right? But it is done under the 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 guidance, the work of the Holy Spirit, as you read the Scripture, as you meditate on the Scripture, as you grow in the Scripture, and then you're able to look out at the world through the lens of Scripture and understand it better. You're able to look at your own heart through the lens of Scripture. You're able to look out at the church through the lens of scripture and be able to start to discern these things a little bit better. Make sure you check back next week for a spicy interview. Thanks for listening. Like the Facebook page, share this podcast. We'll see y'all later.